Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. We're studying Joseph. We've been looking into his life. Here is a man hated by his brothers. Back in chapter 37, it told us three times that his brothers hated him. It also tells us once that they envied him. Remember, God had given him a dream, and he shared that dream with his family. I mean, after all, you'd think it'd be your family when you got blessed of the Lord that you'd want to tell and that they'd be the happiest for you. But that wasn't the case. It made them only hate him even more. So they eventually sold him into slavery. Now, he had not done anything wrong at that point except simply obey his father. He went down to see how his brethren were doing. Some of them wanted to kill him, but they decided to sell him off into slavery. And you remember, he ended up in Potiphar's house, and the Bible said twice that the Lord was with him and that Potiphar had recognized that the Lord was with Joseph and he made him the overseer of his house. But Potiphar's wife had eyes toward Joseph. Joseph would not give in. Here's a man who would not commit immorality. He didn't have a Bible yet. The Bible hadn't been written yet. The law had not been given yet. And uh, we find that he was able and willing to stand up for God and stand up for right and give a testimony that if he did give in, that it would be a great evil in the sight of his God. Now, it makes you wonder what some Christians are reading when they don't see these things as a great evil. But you remember when she tried to seduce him, he ran, he fled, he did the right thing. And for that, she spread some lies about him. And she not only told the people around, but she also told her husband. That's where we pick up the story tonight. Notice beginning in verse 13. And it came to pass when she, that's Potiphar's wife, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. She laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant, which thou hast brought unto us, came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. You might underline that. This is the key to the whole story. And the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. 
The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their Lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them and they continued a season in ward. Now, Father, I pray you'd help us tonight. Help us, I pray tonight, to not live like victims. Help us to not live with the constant complaint that we're not being treated fairly. I pray, Heavenly Father, we'd see things in light of reality, in light of the Word of God. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would face whatever trials that may be coming our way, like Joseph faced them, that we would bring honor and glory to your name in all things. And Father, we'll thank you for what you do in every heart and in every life, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Joseph at this point has suffered one injustice after another. He has been done wrong. But what you don't find in Joseph is this victim mentality. You know, it's sad, but I have met a lot of Christians over the years who can tell you every wrong that's ever been done them in the last 40 years. By the way, you live on this planet, you're going to have wrongs done to you. And let me also say, if you're going to live on this planet, you're going to end up offending others. Jesus said in chapter 17 of the book of Luke, he said, it is impossible, but what offenses would come? It's impossible to live on this earth without offending somebody. And it's impossible to live on this earth without being offended. And then Jesus gives instruction to his disciples to forgive those that offend them. You're going to be offended. By the way, you're going to be offended whether you're a member of a, uh, of a church or you are a member of a country club or you're a, mentory of a, a member of a rotary club or a lions club or a Girl Scout group or a Boy Scout group. Whatever you may be in, someone's going to offend you at one time or another and you're going to feel like you don't deserve it. How you respond in that is going to determine which way you're headed afterwards. Count on it. Jesus was done wrong. If Jesus would be done wrong, the perfect man, the one perfect person to ever walk on the earth, if he would be done wrong, you're going to be done wrong. Now, you need to get that. You need to understand that. If you don't understand that, then you're going to be a victim all of your life. You need to get a hold of this. Now, in this story, this story of this evil woman who set her sights upon him and then accused him, and he went even farther down the ladder, not up the ladder, but farther down the ladder because he was falsely accused. He loses his reputation. He gets thrown into the prison. Yes, as a slave, he did have some freedoms because Potiphar had made him the master of Potiphar's house. But now he ends up going into the prison, and who knows what would take place there. We have that marvelous verse in verse 21 that says, though, that the Lord was with him. And what a marvelous statement. 
Here he will get viciously slandered for simply staying pure. His purity was not met with praise and promotion. I mean, this is how he was being, instead of being honored for his holiness, he was defamed and he was demoted to the dungeon. Let me tell you one lesson we ought to learn from this. Everybody doesn't tell the truth. If you believe everything that your friend says about somebody else, then you're going to believe a lie or two. I want you to get that. That's the way people are. When people repeat a story, guess who the good guys are in the story? They are. Do you understand that? That's the way it works. That's humanity. That's the way it is. Whether it's in church or whether it's in, in a, at a baseball field or a softball field, whether you're a member of a hockey team, it doesn't make a difference. That's the way the stories are told. When they tell them, they're the good guys in the story. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear from your friends. I mean, be wise. Come on. You know when you tell a story, even when you've done wrong, you kind of make it sound like it's not that bad. All right, I want you to notice some things. First of all, the ways of injustice. It's a terrible thing that she does. She tries to seduce him. He doesn't give in. He takes a stand for God. And now here she is shouting to anyone who's listening that he had tried to rape her. That was a boldface lie. I want you to get that. Believe the women. Not in this case. Man, she was a liar. How do I know that? Bible tells me she was a liar. What she did was wrong. Joseph had not done anything wrong, but simply stand for right. We've got this thing today where people are ready to believe every bad thing that they hear about anybody. I tell the preacher boys at Madison Baptist Church, I tell them, uh, you don't have to be guilty to be guilty. Somebody just has to say you are, and you're automatically guilty because you're a preacher. That's the way it is. That's the way it works today. And you'll lose some things. You'll be done wrong by it. Notice, first of all, in the ways of injustice, the commonness of it. He had experienced it before, and he will experience it again. For 13 years, he suffers injustice. For 13 years. First being sold into slavery by his brothers, and then the time he spends in the prison, a total of 13 years. He doesn't get out till he's 30 years of age. And he hadn't done anything wrong. He had only done right. The Bible says that, uh, well, let's see. Let me turn over to it. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 20. I have lost the verse from my memory for a second. He says, uh, let's see, chapter 3. That's the wrong verse. Chapter 3. Yea, and all that will of godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And I don't know what chapter it's in. Chapter 3, verse 12. Ah, thank you very much. No wonder it wasn't coming to my head. It was down on my piece of paper. Now, we've got a lot of examples in the scripture of people being done wrong. Hey, Abel was done wrong. He was killed by his brother Cain. And Abel's the one who brought the right sacrifice to God. And he was done wrong for that. The Egyptians mistreated the Israelites. Saul mistreated David. 
David mistreated Uriah the Hittite. Naboth was slandered and killed by Jezebel and King Ahab. John the Baptist was slain by Herod, had his head chopped off, and all he'd done was just tell the truth. Stephen was killed by the mob in chapter 7 in the book of Acts. In the world today, it seems like the dishonest are promoted at work. The cheater gets better grades than the honest. And injustice is suffered. That is life. Why? Man is a sinner. You want to read about how wicked mankind is? Just go to Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 10. The curse of sin. And thanks to Adam and Eve... Thanks to their sin, their disobedience to God, the Bible says, wherefore is by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. That's the way it is. Now get over it. This isn't a Disney fairy tale. This is life. Grow up. Get it. Well, we want an excuse to quit being godly. Thank God Joseph doesn't use that as an excuse to quit being godly. And by the way, when it comes to lying, well, I'll say more about that in a moment. It's commonness, first of all, it's cruelty. He is slandered. That affects his reputation. Imagine how people talked about Joseph. And people would automatically believe it. This is Potiphar's wife. I mean, after all, she, her husband is a powerful guy. That elevates her right there. So if she says it, it must be so as far as they're concerned. And when you take that her friends would basically all be Egyptians and Joseph is a Hebrew, well, we all know that all Hebrews lie. We all know that. So we're going to believe Potiphar's wife. Her friends, the people in the household, she's going to tell her husband. I don't think he believes it, and I'll show you why in just a little bit. We may not be able to control our reputation, but we can keep our character. And Joseph decides to keep his character. So this is unfair. Yes, it's unfair. He didn't do anything wrong. You and I know he didn't do anything wrong. But a lot of people didn't know that he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, you know, when somebody comes with an accusation, how can I prove them right and wrong? I've got too much to do to go into every little thing that everybody thinks about everybody else. Come on. Somewhere along the line, we've just got to learn to be grown-ups. That's the way it is. And decide we're going to keep our character. The cruelty of all this, it's always cruel. He not only lost his reputation, he lost his station. He went from being the head slave in the house to being a prisoner, not knowing when he might get out. From being the head of a great house to a common prisoner. In Psalm 105, beginning in verse 16, the Bible says, Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. God was doing something. You know, I look at the Apostle Paul and so much was done wrong to the Apostle Paul. When you especially think and how much that the Apostle Paul did for the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. He collected offerings 
from the Gentile churches that he had started to bring to the Christians that were hurting because of the famine that was uh, around that area at that time to take care of the believers that were hurting at Jerusalem. He gets there, he gives them the money, he tells them what had been going on at these other churches and the people said, praise the Lord. And then James the pastor speaks up, well, there's a number of believers here who've heard that you're teaching people against the law. You need to prove that you're not. Why should he prove, have to prove that the rumor mongers were lying? And how do you prove that? Oh, you go down to the temple and you take a Jewish pledge. And he goes down and does it. For that, another rumor gets started that he had taken a Gentile into the temple, and that was not true either. And the people believed it. So that they took him, they were going to kill him. He was rescued by Roman soldiers. When he gave his first answer before the Sanhedrin, made up of Pharisees and Sadducees, James is not there. The six brethren that he was having a pledge with down at the temple, they are not there. They don't stand with him. Nobody from the church at Jerusalem stands with him. And he's got to give an answer for himself. And then he gets shipped off to Caesarea where he spends another two years imprisoned and he's not done anything wrong. We don't find them taking care of him at all. He gets shipped over to Rome. So he's still in prison for another two years and he's off at Rome. And while he's at Rome, some people in the church at Rome were emboldened to preach Christ and some of them did it only to add to his bonds. What an opportunity for him to get bitter toward believers. But he doesn't do it. He thanks God that Christ is preached. And then he says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christ hadn't done him wrong. Hey, he's in jail. Guess what? In prison, he wrote some more epistles. You see, he allowed God to use him while he was in prison to do God's will. You say, well, it's not fair. Well, get over it. Life's not fair. If you're expecting life to be fair, man, you're living in Hollywood or you're living in one of those virtual metaverses and life's not fair there either. We need to teach our kids. People are going to do you wrong. You don't end up with hard feelings. You build upon it. Get over it. David, David still amazes me. David had done wrong. And uh, he ends up getting exiled by his own son while he is running, running off the throne and running from his own son. Shimei comes out and curses David. Abishai, the brother of Joab, David's nephew, wants to go over and he says, let me take off that dead dog's head. And David says, what have I to do with thee, thou sons of Zeruiah? And then he says, what if God told Shimei to curse David? Shall I have him killed for simply doing what God told him to do? Now, the fact that he would even admit that maybe God was the one who had a hand in this. Perhaps God will hear it and see my trouble. See, he used that. What he's basically saying is this. He says, maybe God knows I needed a good cussing. 
We have it so good. God has been so good to us. There are times we get thinking so high of ourselves. Sometimes we need somebody to do us wrong to get us back down to earth. Grow up. Grow up. You don't go out and gossip. You take that opportunity to serve the Lord. Let me show you. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Get this lesson. If you'll get this lesson, this will help you through life. If you get this lesson, you'll be able to stay in church. If you get this lesson, it'll make a gigantic difference in your life because you're going to face some situations that aren't fair when you're going to perceive that people have done you wrong and they've hurt you and you don't deserve it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called because, now get this, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. By the way, did Jesus deserve to suffer? No, but he suffered for us. Why? To leave us an example. Notice, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye are healed. Jesus is our example. Somebody does you wrong. What do you do? You don't strike back. Don't strike back. Listen, that's one of the reasons why I don't even want to be on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. I don't check out other people's Facebook accounts to see what's being said about me. There's just a lot of things I don't check out. I don't want to know. I mean, if somebody writes something bad about me, me knowing about it isn't going to change the fact it was written. So why should I even look at it? I mean, we, we got to know everything. We got to know everything's out there that we don't deserve so that we can get even, so we can straighten them out. It won't straighten them out. As I heard one preacher say one time, there's, point, there's no point in answering these people. Number one, your friends don't need it and your enemies won't believe it anyway. And that's the truth. So get on with your life and be like Jesus. Or at least be like Joseph, okay? Injustice is cruel. Can you trust God to see you through it? Joseph, who doesn't even have a Bible yet, is trusting God to see him through it. He had a message from God that one day he was going to rule and his family was going to bow down to him. It doesn't look like this could possibly be fulfilled. He's in prison. But he's trusting God to do something great, and he stays faithful. You see the wiles of injustice in verses 13 through 18. Jesus had not been dealing with a righteous woman. She already reeked of corruption. And notice, first of all, she attacked with her tongue. She had evidence. Her tongue, her position, and her evidence was all she needed. But her evidence was falsely contrived. By the way, you don't need to sit in judgment on every little thing that people say. I remember I had a preacher (laughs) in town in Huntsville 
called me because one of our former members, this is years ago now, had, uh, had been here, and man, we had done a number, number of things for this person and helped them out in a number of ways, which there's no need to get into. Uh, this person had gotten off into some things that she shouldn't have gotten off into and ended up leaving mad. Well, I had a preacher call. He was angry, man. He, he, he was going to straighten me out of a few things. He said, I can't believe that you would tell a person this. I would say, well, that this person did this, this, and this. What would you tell him? Oh, I'd tell him the same thing. Okay, but you also said this. I said, well, if this person did this and this, what would you have said? Oh, well, and there was like four different things like that. And, I, you know, I said, instead of getting mad, what you should have done is believe that maybe a man of God knew a little bit more about it than you did. And you should have called me to find out, not called me to try to clean my clock. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe that everything happened exactly like you're hearing it happen, even if it's coming from a quote-unquote good source who was there. Be careful. The wiles of injustice she attacked with her tongue. In her accusations, she even accuses her husband. She told the other servants that he, as Potiphar, brought him in to mock us. Do you think Potiphar brought Joseph in to mock his family? Now, see, well, this is a Bible character. We know about him. But isn't it amazing how she automatically not only accuses Joseph, but she accuses her husband too? And he hadn't done anything wrong either. I think that might get him thinking here a little bit. Positive proof, man. She's got him. But the evidence that she had didn't prove her claim. It was what the courts call circumstantial evidence that really proved something else. Uh, it's kind of like the evidence for global warming. Well, it's not global warming anymore, is it? It's, it's, it's climate change. Well, I believe in climate change. Climate's always changed. And it's always going to change. And if you think that man has made it as warm as what it is, check your temperature, your thermometer tomorrow, and thank God man's made it that warm, okay? <laughs> Where would we be if we hadn't warmed it up a little bit? But you remember those commercials when it was about global warming where they actually, in the commercial, they had polar bears falling out of the sky, bouncing off the ice because we were killing the polar bears? It was all phony. Well, if you didn't know it was phony, there's something wrong with you. It doesn't rain polar bears. And now they'll show them out there. Here's a polar bear on a piece of ice. Let me tell you something. Polar bears have been getting up on pieces of ice for millenniums. They've been doing it for a long time. They're going to continue to do it. it. By the way, if evolution is true, according to the evolutionists, there have been a couple of different ice ages. Well, who warmed it up when there was an ice age? Wasn't factories. But it warmed up. I'm just simply saying, according to their own evolution... This doesn't make any sense. And these people are the scientists. We're the dummies. And yet they're liars because there's, listen, this is politics. Whenever you put politics with science, what you lose is science. Politics has its own agenda. And they can paint the picture any way that they want. Hey, that's free. That's extra for you right there. The wiles of injustice. So she attacked 
with her tongue. Even if we did not know the whole story, her contempt for her husband and her comments to the servants tells us volumes about her. She's not a very good wife, is she? Of course, we also know what she did. But it's kind of like the mixed multitude of Israel when they were... uh, uh, when they were walking in the wilderness trying to blame Moses for bringing the children of Israel into the wilderness. Well, they didn't have to leave. They could have stayed where they were at. Now, obviously, Potiphar's marriage is in trouble here. But there's a lesson for all marriages. Be careful how you talk about your mate. And that's not just for the women. That's for the men, too. You be careful how you talk about your mate. Such degrading speech usually says more about the person who's doing the speaking. Time to shut your face. I tell in premarital counseling, I, I tell the ladies, uh, yeah, you'll have times, you'll have disagreements with your husband. Don't you call your mom and dad and complain about your latest argument with your husband. Because you'll make up with him. They'll hate him from now on. And same way with you guys. You don't call your mom and complain about your wife. Now, if you married somebody that can't cook, don't you complain about her meals. That's your fault. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Well, she accused with her tongue. Thomas Whitelaw said, all illicit passion, whether gratified or balked, has a tendency sooner or later to become transformed into hate. There is no link to which the fierce resentment of a wicked woman will not proceed against those who incurred her hate. The slander was cruel, but it only damaged his reputation. He did not allow it to damage his character. He kept in control of his character. Keep your character. I can't say that strong enough. By the way, there's an interesting side note here. This is the second time that a coat of Joseph had been unjustly taken from him. His coat of many colors was taken from him to deceive Jacob. And this coat was taken from him to deceive Potiphar. Interesting. Then you've got the wonder of the injustice. If you'll notice in verse 17, it says, And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. Every bit of that is a lie. It appears that Potiphar was not deceived by his wife's accusations. After all, he had witnessed Joseph's faithfulness. You go back up to earlier in the chapter in verse 2 when it says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper at his hand. He had witnessed Joseph's faithfulness, and that the Lord was with Joseph. Now, since Joseph was a slave, he could have had him killed outright. Matter of fact, he could have had him tortured and killed. I mean, he's the captain of the guard. He is a high-ranking official in Pharaoh's government. And if a, if a slave did this, he would be worthy of death. But he doesn't have him killed. And he doesn't sell him off into another slavery. He doesn't take him to the common prison. He puts him in the prison where the Pharaohs, the people that had... 
uh, found disfavor with Pharaoh would be put. This would be a place where he would be as well taken care of as a prisoner in Egypt could possibly be taken care of at that time. Now, the Bible says here that Pharaoh was angry. It does not tell us who he was angry at. When you consider what his wife has been saying, even about him and blaming him for it, I get the impression he's angry at her. Well, why didn't he then stand up for Joseph? I believe he stood up as far as he could. I mean, he has a high position in government. When politics come into it, you have to be careful how everything is perceived. And he is doing that here in this place. The prison was the palace prison for state criminals, not a common jail. In verse 4, notice this. Verse 4 of chapter 40, he says, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. Who's the captain of the guard? Now, earlier it talks about the keeper of the jail. But who's the captain of the guard? According to when we're first introduced to Potiphar, he's the captain of the guard. So he has put Joseph in charge of this particular jail as a fellow prisoner. Now, there's a keeper of the prison who would be above Joseph, but still Joseph is given that position by Potiphar. Now, God is getting Joseph closer and closer to his goal. But let me ask you, does it look like it? Does it look like it? I mean, he's already let Joseph know what he's got planned for him. He doesn't know he's going to be leader over Egypt. But he does know, according to the dreams that he had, that his own family is going to be bowing down to him. So he gets sold into slavery. What's God doing in this? Then he ends up in prison. What's God doing in this? I don't see how God's going to do it. You don't have to see how God's going to do it. God said he will. That's enough. You trust him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Just trust God. The just shall live by what? By the way, if you've been done wrong and you said, I forgive you, don't talk about it again. Leave it alone. It's done. If you talk about it again, you never forgave. Because forgiveness, it's like God's forgiveness is taking it off their account. There's not a thing in the world about forgetting. It's all about taking it off the account. It can't be brought up again. Thank God. God took all my sins off my account. That's forgiveness. And as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed my transgressions from me. Hallelujah. That's forgiven. Now, we should know something about forgiveness as believers because we have been forgiven. God's getting Joseph closer to his goal. His training is not complete yet. He's got a few more years to go before he's going to be exalted to the number two position in all of Egypt. But Joseph is acting in this school of hard knocks, a school of being done wrong. Joseph acts like he saw the college curriculum syllabus and he knows how it's going to end. And he's living like it. Why? He's a man of character. Once you get that, character. Character says an awful lot for him. Now, Paul could write in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, not that I speak with respect to want, 
For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Sometimes we need to be treated unfairly so that we can learn. So that we can learn how that in whatever state we're in, therewith to be content. Then there's the wisdom of dealing with the injustice. In chapter 37, verses 21 through chapter 40 and verse 4, now Joseph has suffered injustice even further. Wrongly sold by brothers, lost family position, wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife, lost position and more suffering. Most would bide their time until they could get even. That's not Joseph. Many would simply say, well, I don't see what's the use of serving. I've tried to serve and I've only gotten knocked down again. And yet he keeps serving. He keeps doing the best that he can. Why? Number one, he had God's presence. God's presence is the key here. And the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 21. Do you have God's presence? Do you have God's presence? If you're saved, you do. He said, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. No sense walking around crying and whining like, man, everybody just does me wrong. Everybody gets done wrong. Just the way it is. He's got God's presence. No comfort from family. You know, when God is all that you have, he is enough. I'm going to say that one more time because that's pretty good. When God is all that you have, he is enough. Our problem is we love ourselves way too much and we love the world way too much. You cannot love God too much. You cannot be too surrendered to him. Later, Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 would say, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me, notwithstanding. Here's what he says. The Lord stood with me. He could keep his character because he knew that the Lord was standing with him. And he responds right. Verse 22, keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there... He was the doer of it. He gets committed to the duties given to him. Do your duties where you're at. You say, well, I think I ought to have a higher position. Do your duties where you're at. You'll get a higher position. Just do your duties where you're at. But I deserve to be more. Well, show it. Do your duties where you're at. All right. Uh, he could, look through the, the, or he could look through this with the eyes of sloth and revenge, doing just enough to get by. But that's not Joseph. He's a man of character. Something lacking too much in most of us. And then we see the witness. How providential. Long hours with two men who spent time in Pharaoh's government. And years would pass, but they wouldn't be wasted years. He would do good for both of those men. And yet the one who would live through this whole thing would forget him for another two years where he would be forgotten and be imprisoned. But God knew what he was doing that entire time. His dark days would be many, but they did 
come to an end. The injustice that he experienced was seen as valuable to Joseph. It was something that he needed. Now, I know we try to avoid, we try to avoid the hard times. And, I mean, what person would say, yeah, man, just hit me with it, whatever. Or as they used to say on Laugh-In years ago, sock it to me. I tell you, there's a lot of things I'd never vote for myself, but the Lord knows when I need them, and he'll give them to me. And he'll give it to you. So take it, learn from it, be a better Christian, build character in yourself, and you'll be surprised the difference it can make in your life. Above all, keep the Lord with you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' dear name. Lord, please help us to respond correctly to other people. I I feel so sorry for people who can tell other folks every wrong that's been done them over and over again. What a miserable way to live. Dear God, please help us, I pray, to be the people that you would have us to be. Lord, bless in the invitation tonight. I don't have any doubt there's some that ought to come and just kneel before you and say, Lord, There's so many things I've not responded right when they've happened to me. And, Lord, you mean it for good. I know that. Help me to be what I ought to be. Lord, I know we've got one for baptism tonight. May they get ready during this invitation. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.